Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. I'm Bob. And I'm Bax. And we're the Movie Blast. Man, that's us. So, uh, what we watched this week was a film called Reservoir Dogs, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Bax, you wanted to watch this film. Why did you want to watch this? Man, I, I really dig Quentin's work. And um, this year as I've been diving into film more and exploring like the actual art behind film. So like the writing, the cinematography, how you lay a story out. It's just going back and watching Quentin's stuff. It's made me appreciate it all the more. And like rewatching Reservoir Dogs recently, even better than I remembered. And that's a really cool feeling. Yeah, this is definitely a movie that I think held up, which I remembered watching it because it's been probably a decade since I've seen it. And I was like, ah, I don't really know. I, I, I don't really know if this is going to actually make me feel engaged, make me want to like watch, watch it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. I love it. All right, Bax. Well, let's hit them with some movie facts. Man. So Reservoir Dogs was released in um, 92. So it hit Sundance in, on January 21st in 92. It was picked up by Miramax, and it got its wide release um, in October, October 23rd of the same year. Um, the budget, which we can unpack the budget a little bit, but the actual budget that I ended up having was about um, $1.2 to $1.5 million. And at the box office, it did about 2.8. And like Bob already touched on, it was written and directed by our boy, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so I think the interesting thing about this movie is uh, as soon as Quentin Tarantino got Harvey Keitel attached, yeah, Harvey basically just went ahead and was like, no, 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 you need to go out to New York. You need to cast this out here. You know what? I'll pay for that. Mm -hmm. And he took on a lot of financial responsibility and to even help Quentin uh, get the funding. So, Bax, uh, how much money did Quentin start off with? So initially from what i've read on the internet and believe to be true quentin planned to shoot it on a budget of 30 grand and it was going to be in a in 60 millimeter black and white film and he had a producer on hand who was lawrence bender um and so like quentin gave the script to bender bender gave the script to his acting teacher and the acting teacher's wife gave the script to harvey and that's how like the script ended up making its way to harvey so that's a really cool story to see how kind of luck happened to Quentin Tarantino. So just right place, right time, knew the right people to get this script to just hit the right person's hands. And Harvey Keitel was in Taxi Driver. Harvey Keitel like was like a real actor. And during that time period, like he actually, I think when you go into, let's say Miramax or going into a studio and you're like, Hey, uh, Harvey Keitel is attached. It would be the equivalent of saying like John Cusack is attached to this film. Yeah. And you'd be like, Oh, John Cusack. I like John Cusack. What's this movie about? And so I think that probably kicked open a ton of doors. And uh, so yeah, Harvey and Quentin worked together again in Pulp Fiction and then also from Dust Till Dawn. Absolutely. So um, and you mentioned how Harvey funded like himself, I believe he paid for the uh, the auditions 
when they had the auditions. And that's how Tarantino and Bender found Steve Buscemi, Michael Madsen, and Tim Roth, who are like such a huge part of the movie. And they just kill it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Yeah, without having the, all of the actors in this film, it would not be the same movie. Like if you yeah. recast any of these roles, it's not going to be the same flick. Yeah. So like most of the characters in the film all wear a suit, like a black suit with a white shirt and a black tie. So they all kind of look similar, but their personalities just pop, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they all feel so just themselves. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, everything you just said. Absolutely, yeah. So I just want to let you know that you're about to get spoilers. So if you, if you want to go watch Reservoir Dogs right now, go ahead and watch it. Or you'll find out that they almost light a cop on fire and they cut his <laughs> ear off. So yeah. that'll, that's what you'll find out. Uh, so Reservoir Dogs was a film that's about a diamond heist that takes place during a super 70s radio weekend. Joe, the organizer of the heist, brings together a group of six criminals who all get aliases based off colors. But no one knows that one of them is actually an undercover cop. So with the leak in the heist, the police actually know where and when this diamond heist is going to go down. So while there's a group of cops outside, Mr. Blonde, a criminal who was actually just released from jail, opens fire and starts shooting civilians because an alarm was triggered. The cops storm the building. During the escape, two of the criminals are killed. Uh, the cop and Mr. White are trying to carjack a woman and she shoots the cop in the stomach. And when the, when the four living criminals actually arrive at the safe house, they get into an argument about who set the group up. Mr. Blonde had actually abducted a cop and tortures him and is about to light him on fire when Mr. Orange, the cop, kills Mr. Blonde. When Joe and Nice Guy Eddie finally arrive at the safe house, they put together all the pieces that Mr. Orange must be the cop, and they end up killing each other in a standoff because Mr. White didn't believe Mr. Orange was a cop. The film ends with Mr. Pink getting away with the diamonds, and you hear gunshots, uh, which I believe are killing Mr. White. Mm -hmm. And that's that. So there's a lot of colors and a lot of things like that. It's a little bit confusing, but... To sum it all up, it's about a diamond heist that goes wrong. Absolutely. And the heist is not shown in the film. Absolutely, yeah. And which I thought was an interesting thing because I think if you made this movie now, uh, that's one of the things that, or my expectation would be, that we'd see a little bit of something inside the building. Yeah. So, Bax, what did you love about this movie? Man, can we talk about the diner scene? Like the opening when all the guys are hanging out in a diner. Absolutely. Man. I like to begin with, I really dig, like I like breakfast as a meal, you know? And like, I like going out with my friends and getting breakfast at places like diners. So when it happens in movies, I'm, I'm already digging it, but just like, like all these guys are criminals, right? Mm-hmm. But they're just talking about, they're just shooting the breeze. Like Quentin Tarantino is talking about what, what like a virgin really means. Um, there's like Charles Bronson references from like him being in the great escape. Um, man, what else are they talking about? I think the big thing that happens is it shows a little bit about each character and they all have a little bit of who they are. Like yeah. uh, Mr. Blonde, you can tell is 
got a hair trigger and he's prone to violence. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Pink, you can tell that he like is self-motivated and doesn't want to tip the waitress. Right. Uh, Joe is very like cut to the point. Uh, no crap. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to, he's like, listen up, just give me a buck. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Harvey Keitel is very, uh, or Mr. White, just a good guy. Can you do your Harvey impression just so I can hear it? You shoot me in a dream. You better wake up and apologize. I just, I just love that line. He's just so cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And, and like Bob was saying, like there's so much foreshadowing here. So Mr. Pink doesn't want to leave a tip. It shows that he's just looking out for himself. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he's the one make, that makes off of the diamonds, just looking out for himself. And uh, when Joe gets back to the table, cause he's the one that actually covered the tab and he's like, Hey, like there's not enough here for the tip. Who didn't throw in Mr. Orange is the one that somewhat rats out Mr. Pink, right. Saying like he doesn't tip. And that's kind of like foreshadowing too that Mr. Orange is the rat, right? Like he is the cop. So all the foreshadowing there, the dialogue, I just love the diner scene. Yeah. I think that my favorite part was Tim Roth or Mr. Orange, the cop getting ready to tell his story to those guys. Yeah. When he has the criminal meeting and he's just going through that entire thing over and over and over again, you see him get better and you see him learn to be a criminal and to put on that facade. So I thought that was really cool because you get to see Tim Roth act. Definitely. Um, And you see him move from the actual cop that he is to the actual criminal he will become. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. And did we mention the nonlinear storyline? Yeah. So that synopsis was, I tried to make linear. And so you're learning things about everybody in, in different segments of the film. So as um, Mr. Orange is dealing with his stomach wound, uh, you're learning things about that, not the diner scene, but about him meeting everybody and getting to that point. So my uh, my other thing that I enjoyed was um, Mr. Orange shoots the woman. Mm-hmm. So he gets shot in the stomach and yeah. his response. And I don't know if this is to keep the facade of being a cop mm-hmm. or, or just to not make it look like he's a police officer, but he shoots the woman, which yeah. I thought was just like when that happened, because I'd forgotten about that part. I was like, oh, my God. Like that's how he gets gut shot. Like, yeah. wow. and he kill and he kills this lady just to, to keep his cover or just out of like pure anger and frustration that he got shot. Right. Or self-defense even. Cause like she still had the gun. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So uh, what's something that you would have done differently? I think <clears throat> one thing I might've worked in. So with the nonlinear storyline and the flashbacks, like we get a flashback for Mr. White and how, he met up with Joe and found out about the job. Same thing for Mr. Blonde. And like Bob just talked about with Mr. Orange, like his flashback's super cool because we get to see him more about Mr. Pink because his character was really interesting to me. Yeah. I think that that would be really neat to, to learn too. I just, I, my thing was show more of the bank heist because I would, I would love to see Mr. Blonde's freak out inside. Yeah. Cause knowing that he goes and he tortures this cop and he's cutting off this cop's ear and doing all this crazy crap. I want to see 
him just swing for the rafters and go nuts inside of this heist. Right. That would be so, yeah, the acting alone is what I want to watch. Yeah, and like, like Michael Madsen. And it's funny, too, because when he first shows up at the safe house, he's acting cool, right? And he's like, I've so calmed cool. down now. Like, yeah, I'm calm. I'm cool as a cucumber. And then when it's just him and the cop tied up in the chair and the torturing scene begins, it's like a totally different person. Yeah, and but he's even calm there. Like, he takes enjoyment out of what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think Quentin Tarantino is like, because the music that he paired with it, you're just kind of like bopping along, like enjoying it. And then you're... I think Quentin was like, you're part of the crime now. Like you're, you enjoyed it. You were digging it. Now you're, you're on board with what's happening to this cop. It's crazy. Man. Can you talk about the music and the whole film a little bit more? Yeah. So uh, what's was interesting was Quentin was like in this time period, it's the super seventies weekend, which is interesting because the radio station is the music that you hear throughout the film. Yeah. So it's all this. So it's a 70s throwback film to a heist film with the music from the 1970s. So I mean, the world building that Quentin did just having those thoughts, there's layers. He's out of the gate. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Exactly. And there's so many things that we see here that will become mainstays, right? So the music, the nonlinear storyline, the profanity, the dialogue, the small talk, um, the Mexican standoff, like you talked about at the end, when Mr. White, nice guy Eddie, Joe, all shoot each other. The the trunk opening shot. So I think it's um Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink, Mr. White open the trunk of Mr. Blonde's car and like the cop that he has hostages in there. Mm-hmm. And the trunk opening shot, like we see that again in Pulp Fiction. So yeah. Like stuff that would become a mainstay for Quentin, we see it first here. Absolutely, yeah. I think he takes this film and builds Pulp Fiction on top of it. Right. And yeah. A lot of his, a lot of his films tie together like Jackie Brown as well. Like they all kind of fit in what this is. And then he goes off and starts making Kill Bill and, and starts really just stepping away from the genre that he, that is Quentin Tarantino. Right. Um, but yeah, the normalized violence, the everyday violence that Quentin does. And it's because it's just part of the films. It's part of the set. It's part of the, it's nothing, nothing more. So, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that I didn't like was where did the bullet that killed nice guy, Eddie come from? So let me, let me tell you about the scene. So, Mr. White has his gun pointed at Joe. Yes. Joe has his gun pointed at Mr. Orange. Nice guy Eddie has his gun pointed at Mr. White. Yes. How does Eddie die? Man, did Mr. White get multiple shots off? I don't know. I, I specifically didn't watch it over again because I was like, I don't get this. And I was like, I just wanted to talk about it because if I know, then I know. Yeah, I think did Mr. Pink kill nice guy Eddie because he's under the staircase so did Mr. Pink is he underneath there and is that where the bullet came from man he might have I didn't even think about it because it all happened so quick absolutely yeah so when you're watching it because it doesn't make sense so um, they take their shots right one person will be alive because 
Mr. Orange is on the ground without bullets. Mm -hmm. I think, unless I'm wrong, but I don't think he takes that shot. I would guess that Mr. White gets multiple shots off. So that would be my guess is that Mr. White takes out Joe and Ice Guy Eddie. But that's just my guess. Yeah. We'll circle back to it. We'll circle back. So after doing a little research, uh, we found out that Mr. White was supposed to kill both nice guy, Eddie and his father. But uh, what happened was it was a squib misfire. So both of them went at the same time. So it looks like they both died immediately. So it wasn't Mr. Pink. Like I thought. So Bax, what do the people think? Man, the people at IMDb are giving it an 8.3. The critics over at Rotten Tomatoes, 91% of them gave it a positive review. And the audience, the general audience at Rotten Tomatoes, 94% of them gave it a positive review. So similar to us, the vast majority of people really dug this movie. That makes me feel good. When you like something, you go online, other people are like giving it credit. You feel like the credits do. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. So, Bax, you have to grade this bad boy, Reservoir Dogs. What's your grade? You guys probably already <laughs> already know. Um, it's an A for me. It like it keeps the tension without showing the actual heist. It's a heist film without showing the heist, but I don't. Something about that is super cool to me, and just that it's guys talking. But I was like on the edge of my seat and I was engaged, you know. And it's like about like an hour and a half, but I feel like it flies by to me personally. Yeah. And yeah. Um, kind of the other stuff I touched on. I think earlier I talked about how the characters all kind of have the same outfit on, but they all feel so them, you know, and just like the performances all feel so them, like everybody just kills it. So yeah, for, for me, it's an A and, and it was Quentin's first flick. It got Quentin into the game. If we didn't have Reservoir Dogs, we wouldn't have Pulp Fiction, The Kill Bill. So, yeah, it's an A for me. Yeah, this is also an A movie for me. I went into it not thinking I was going to give it an A because I was like, ah, this is, this is back. This is an old film. Like, now it's an old movie. But it holds up. There's no, there's no cell phones. Like, and payphones aren't used, you know what I mean? Like, there's not, there's not anything that's like, oh, yeah, 1992, stupid. Like, yeah. you don't have that stuff about this movie because it's just, it's a diner. It's um, exterior shots during the heist. And then it's the safe house. Like, those are the locations of the film. And it's, it's a great movie. Like, I, if you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend it. Go watch it. I absolutely recommend it as well. I feel like it's cool too because it's pr it's pretty easy to find, I feel like. Or at least like if you go to Amazon, I feel like the Blu-ray and DVD are super affordable. And I feel like it'd be streaming places. So uh, we just want to say thanks so much for listening our, to our episode. If you want to, review us because uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you're looking for other podcasts, go over to GameZillaMedia.com. And you'll find them there. They've got some video game-based podcasts. They've got some movie-based podcasts. And they've got some retro gaming podcasts. And a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Man, that tabletop action. Mm-hmm. 
Bax, if people wanted to talk to us in real time, how would they do it? Man, so there's two ways that I can think of. You can head over to Instagram and you can find us at Movie Blast Podcast. Um, you can give us a comment there. We'll reply to your comment. You shoot us a DM. We'll DM you back. We would love to engage with you on Instagram because we just like talking to people about movies. Like that's what we're into. And uh, GameZilla, like Bob was touching on, they have a Discord too. So you come to the GameZilla Discord. You can find me and Bob there. Um, talk to us about movies. Like Bob said, all that other nerdy stuff. You can talk to other people from all over the world about games, D&D, whatever you're into. 